is due to intelligence officers, including me, who were so eager to help help the administration make war in Iran, um, that we found that we found what wasn't really there. Okay. Now fast forward to this time two years ago. Uh, your superiors were hell bent on finding ways to blame Trump's victory on the Russians. Do you think that uh, your efforts were uh, guilty of the same sin here? Do you think that you found a lot of things that weren't really there? Because that's what our conclusion is, especially from the technical end. There was no hacking on the DNC. It was leaking. And you know that if you've talked to NSA. Ring the bell. School's back in. Break it down. She refused to. Turns out she has a partner named Dennis Lee Montgomery. Easy to remember. That's a very, I'll sit down with you after. I want to try to follow He's a very a genius computer guy. What they did is they actually had, they were working for the CIA. And they, they masked it as, uh, you, I'm sure you'll remember this, the contracts with the CIA, which I had plenty of copies, said that they were decoding Al Jazeera television, said that there was broadcast embedded. Remember that? <laughs> Owned by Gore. Well, Gore's got part of it now, but it was all bullshit. That was bullshit. That was a front by the CIA. And this guy worked for Brennan and Clapper. Those were the two guys running it. He started out in 2004 with another partner in Reno, Nevada, called Etrepid. They collected about $40 million from the CIA, from the CIA. Top security clearance, all kinds of letters, emails, fallout. Gets my wife in 2006. They started a new company that she owns, and they started doing the same business for the government. What it really turns out they were doing is they were hacking into all of America. Everything they said they didn't do that Brennan said recently and uh, mainly uh, Clapper is all bullshit. And I've got it right here. So this guy, I suspect during the divorce, it was very contentious, front page Wall Street Journal, all this nonsense. Between Fine. you and yeah. Uh, so we accused him publicly, this McGovern, of hacking into our attorney-client privilege because they, they knew too much. And we could never prove it. So we took his deposition several times. And something happened very weird. Every time he took a we took his deposition, the head of the civil division, Carlotta Wells, of the Department of Justice would show up with CIA agents. Just show up. Every court appearance. CIA agents. Head of the civil division. I said, Jesus Christ, something's got to be wrong here. So in 2006, when my wife got together with the guy, when he left the first company, he gets a call from the CIA guy uh, named Joe Libatory and says, the FBI is going to raid your house in three days. He's got a FISA search warrant from the FISA court. So he takes all the hard drives that he made copies of. The FBI comes in, raiding. Mike Flynn, the lawyer, was here with me, was representing the guy at the time. They go to court. Federal judge says, this is bullshit. Throws it out. Says, there's obviously something there that we don't know about. And the government came in and imposed a state secret privilege, a protective order in Nevada, because that's where the guy lived. And so they said, anything you, anything you did as a government contractor, you can never tell. Well, they were trying to keep the guy quiet from what he really did. So we take the guy's deposition, and he's, I, I get nothing out of him. The last deposition was a year, almost two years ago now. Palm Desert, California, a little tiny legal office. And all these CIAs that show up with guns and, and Carlotta Wells, head of the criminal civil division, the DOJ. What the hell are you showing up for? Well, cut and paste, 2012 June. Montgomery calls me, and he goes, I want to talk to you. I said, I don't want to talk to you, you son of a bitch. Why do you want to talk to me? I said, you've been hacking into my attorneys. And he goes, I want to talk to you. He said, I've got a brain aneurysm. I'm probably not going to make it, and I need to get some things right. So I reluctantly meet him, but I give him a subpoena. We give him a friendly subpoena, so anything he gave to me, of the guy, the subpoena. 
He said, you know, you guys are right. I did hack into all your stuff. I gave it to your ex-wife and all the lawyers. And he said, there's a lot more. He said, what I really did as a government subcontractor was I hacked into all of America for Brennan and Clapper. And I said, well, that's, that's pretty heavy stuff. Can you prove it? So it took about, it's taken me eight months of dancing with this guy. And finally, he starts giving more evidence, more evidence, and then it just, it just blew me away. So I called Fox News and Carl Cameron, you know, the reporter. Carl's been there 27 years, and I trust Carl. Carl came flying out with his film crew, and they filmed for a week in the last 30 days. The guy had aneurysm surgery in the last three months. He was not successful. He probably will not live. So I think what it is, he, he wants 10 years under, eight years under a rock. He's tired of it. He may not live. He wants to get his life squared away. And he's pissed off at the administration. Uh, he got a death threat in writing last week. And so I said to him, when the Snowden thing came down, he starts laughing. And he goes, huh, Snowden is a punk. He doesn't have any information like I got. So he starts showing me what he had. And I'm going, holy shit. He's got 900 million phone calls recorded. I mean, you, you call me, how long, what date, what time of day. Okay, that's one thing. I did it for the government. This is on a government computer, paid for by the government, CIA, at Fort Washington, Maryland, which is 10530 Riverview Road in Fort Washington, Maryland. Then he's got bank accounts with the passwords and the usernames that the government got, just randomly all over the country. There's 153,000 in this county alone. 153,000 people were hacked in by Brennan and Clapper. And I got all their names. Brennan is head of the CIA. Now. Now. Clapper is what? He's DNI. Department of Intelligence. National Intelligence. So those are the two common factors. Now, if you go back the string, you fit the string back with Brennan. Brennan was CIA under Bush 43. He was like executive director. My ex-wife, and Jack, I was on Jack Kemp's board for 10 years. Jack was a dear buddy of mine. So I was in the Republican circles. So my ex-wife was asked Jack Kemp to go to Cheney to try and speed up a new government contract, which was slow. So they take her to the uh, vice president. He says, give me a few days, comes back, and he says, we don't want any part of this, and they fire Brennan. So they must have figured something was smoking. So they fired Brennan. Brennan goes to work as the CEO of Analysis Group in Washington, D.C. They're basically ex-CIA guys that do contracting for the government. Private, private version of their old job. So he goes to Obama, then senator, and says, uh, you should hire us, an analysis group, to run for president. Obama does. They have tons of money, millions of dollars. And if you, you may not recall this, Joe, but there was a little bit of a flap about the birth certificate back then. There was <clears throat> there was an accusation that someone had gotten into the birth certificate records of Hillary Clinton, Mitt Romney, and Obama. Hillary talked about it. Yeah, she really made a big deal of it. There was a young man working for Brennan at the CIA that came over to analysis group. And <clears throat> he was kind of the dirty computer kid. I don't know that, I'll tell you what I know factual and what I believe to be true. We believe that they got in and actually altered his birth certificate, Brennan did, at an analysis group, and they had to disguise it by doing something or looking like they did something to Clinton and Romney so it wasn't specific to Obama. Might I say something? I just wanted to interrupt. You all do remember that I have said many, many times before that I worked for a mercenary called Mr. Pearl, who was kind of the head of a company called Global Strategies Group, Global Security Group, Global Group, whatever you want to call it, who's now part of Ultratech, that housed, you know, it was actually John Brennan that brought in the Saudis and the Chinese. And all of these things that are being said are pretty factually accurate. And it was in 20, 2020, I believe, that 
Millian put out the report on Global Strategies Group and GCHQ and GSG just put down their sites. The reason is, is I was grandfathered into that company and I had access. And you heard 900 emails. Well, how do you think I knew Schiff was wiretapping the, wire the, the White House? How do you think I knew about the Iranian florist hiding wires in the White House? Hmm? Emails. Because I had access to that. You know, that's state secret and all. But it's actually a bucket state secret. Hip pocket assets, they call them. They don't exist. There's no paperwork. It's by mouth. It's old school. Yeah, my HSBC account was very real. All my wages, all my money, gone in an instant in 2019. And I worked my ass off. Yes, you're going to say, but you worked on destroying nations. I did. And hence, God took that away from me and left me with absolutely nothing. But this tack whistleblower, well, what if I told you that, you know, because they had the information that someone may have whistleblown in 2000 when I came stateside. I was asked to go to the State Department and retrieve passport data. I've stated that. That was my job. I was given the barcode. I was given the location, walked into the State Department and retrieved passport information. I also make copies, but I didn't walk off the premises with the copy. <laughs> and I heard they tore up the walls when I first said it, but <laughs> it's been there for a while. And you know, niobium, right? I have talked about that. Niobium, when it's with liquid and has a perpetual light power sauce, sauce, sauce source, it can cloak itself, it cause invisibility, mash up. You know, you think that's the joke? <laughs> yeah, we've got technology like no other. So anyway, having said that, then everybody heard about a hack and how Obama's passport data was stolen. And I'm watching this on the news as I'm applying to go to school and battling with my former employer. Hey, you know, my dad and my brother both died and I just want to go research cancer. It's like, that's a 360. You're not a scientist. But that was for my mental health, I said. It had nothing to do with what I saw off the coast of Turkey. And so it begins. I watch people, one person kill themselves. What? And people involved in and hacking the State Department. There was no hack. But there was a removal of information. And while I was removing, someone else that I don't know was tasked, tasked to replace it. Hence why I'm reaching out to all my friends out at Karachi, Pakistan, that would like to present that information, please. So I just wanted to chime in on what I know. Somehow this word got around in D.C. and an investigation started and they called the kid to as a witness. He got a bullet between the eyes the night before the hearing. It's all public record. So he's dead. He can't testify. So then Clinton gets, I mean, uh, Obama gets elected. Brennan then wants to be CIA. That was his quest in life. If you recall, he got turned down because of the waterboarding. So Obama then... Waterboarding to McCain, like Bullock and said. Right. H. Waterboarding. Remember that? Yeah, I do. Always remember the McCain connection. So, as an alternative, Obama moves then Brennan three doors down the White House from his office. So maybe a little quick pro quo. Special assistant or something. Some bullshit. So then time goes by. 
and then Brennan's now CIA. So let's keep the story going. So about three, four months ago, this guy showed me 900 million phone calls. And I see myself in there. I see people I know. I mean, I see Donald Trump in there a zillion times, and Bloomberg's in there. And am I in there? We're looking for you right now. Work. That's important. It takes a long time to go through 900 million, unless you've got a hell of a computer. And so we're through about 40 million out of 900 million. They're not on those flash drives. No, no, no. no. I say there's no way. There's three million on this. That's pretty good. And there's bank records here. Uh, you got the 130,000 from here on there. I got a lot of them. Arizona. Oh, yeah. Are they alphabetical? No, no. They, what they did was. Let me tell you how they did it, so you got to understand the whole story. This Montgomery was such a brilliant computer guy. He figured out, they built, and started in 04, they built this supercomputer in Reno, Nevada, long, far away from CIA headquarters, but they were a contractor. And it was a room, oh, twice as big as this room, full of massive computers. <clears throat> that figured out how to break combinations of passwords. And so the idea was, it was very well intended. Let's go find uh, Al-Qaeda's websites. Let's see if we can crack their passwords in America. That's all great. It worked really well. So they could process about, at those days, maybe, maybe 10 million combinations a minute of your password off your computer. Well, 10 million a minute, pretty soon you start, the numbers click up and you, it works. Mm -hmm. So what they really did was they, they started going to all the terrorist websites in 04, and they started getting to read their mail. And that was really great for America. Then when he left in late 05 or 06, and looked up my wife, ex-wife, they started it again, but they started in Bellevue, Washington, where they both lived, and then... In 2009, the CIA came back to my ex-wife and to Montgomery and said, look, we want to do this the right way. What will it take? He said, it's going to take about $5 million for the computers. They said, okay, we got a place called Fort Washington, Maryland. It's disguised as a naval research center, but it's the CIA cyber headquarters of the world. So they said, you got to come back there and build it. It'll be there for a year. So Montgomery goes back there, and he builds what they call the hammer. And that's what the government nicknamed the hammer. And it's so goddamn powerful, it does a billion combinations in there. Of passwords. So it's working great, and they're going after this terrorist and Abdullah this and Mohammed that. So Clapper is the, at that time was the guy running it because Brennan had gone off to analysis, but they're like this. So he walks in one day and he says, Look, Dennis, we got a guy at City, we think he got a Citibank bank account. Uh, his name is Omar or whatever. Can you go, can you get into City Citibank's mainframe? Can you sneak in there and look for this guy without getting caught? There's no flies of court order. He gets in there, gets the guy's stuff, and they say, Shit, that's great. So then about a month later, he's got another 30 names. They go into Citigroup and say, hey, here's 30 more names. Works. Then they come back and say, look, why don't we, the risk of getting caught by their detective, by their detective system, that's pretty, uh, why don't you download every customer that Citibank has and all their financial information? That way we got it. And he did. Then they went to Sprint for Verizon, AT&T, to all their switches, got it at night. What Montgomery did, the programming he invented, he would go into their figure out their passwords and some of their security codes. He would then get into the mainframe and they'd shut off their detection device. So they could be in there for maybe an hour. And then they'd get out. So they just, they wholesale across America. Everything that Clapper just said last Thursday, they didn't do in front of the Senate and the House. He said all we got was phone calls. Well, they got, I got financial records from Phoenix, Arizona with passwords and PIN numbers. That, that's more than the phone calls. Credit cards, credit card numbers. And then they asked Montgomery, they said, look, we want you to go into the Florida voter registration computer. I want you to download it. Can you do that? I'll try. It goes in. It's all the voter registration. They said, I want you to burn on some CDs. Give it to Clapper. Does it? Doesn't think about it. A couple weeks go by, and they come back with a new disk. They say, upload this tonight on the Florida voter computer. So 
I kept thinking, what? They must be altering people's registration or something to help the next election. But Carl Karam figured it out because he went and checked. It was a big redistricting down in Florida that was advantage Democrats. And Carl's, he's going to report on the story breaks from Fox because he's got the voter registration records now. So then after Snowden comes out, Obama comes out on, I think, August 9th this year. And he said Snowden's been charged with three felonies. If he had followed the whistleblower protocol uh, and come to us, he wouldn't be in trouble. So we're going to make that son of a bitch eat those words. So I had Montgomery. He filed 18 whistleblower complaints with the Inspector General of the Air Force, Inspector General of the CIA, the Inspector General of the United States, Holder. Uh, he sent a letter. He sent an actual letter to Obama and to his private fax number. And how the hell he got it, I don't know. Carl Cameron confirmed that it was Obama's fax number. So he's got rejected 18 times. He's, he's, I have all of us aboard the blanks the rejections here. So he did the right thing. He said, hey, I'm an American. I'm not leaving the country. I work for the CIA. I'm in <clears throat> for the government unauthorized. And I got all this financial information that's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. And this needs to be told. <coughs> they rejected him over and over and over. So that kind of leads to why I'm here. Uh, we started looking around your county. And I said, you know, I know one guy's probably got the guts to do something like this. And so we started looking specifically at Maricopa. And at first it was 18,000, and Jesus Christ, it's all over the landscape. Like the last count was 153,400 in claim. So there's all kinds of victims in here that without one court order, no FISA, no regular court, they went in and they hacked into your citizens and every county in America, basically. And they got their financial records. They didn't get financial records on everybody because they, they didn't, it was kind of hit and miss. You know, maybe if they got in there and you happened to be making a deposit or something that day, they got your records the day they were in. So the guy really needs immunity because he got a he got a death threat on his website last week and it was real I got it here it's very specific and, and I sent it over to Carl Cameron thing as well he says but this is the whole ballgame for Brennan and Clapper and if you take Brennan and Clapper down you're gonna really knock the hell out of Obama and this thing is a lot bigger than than just two top government guys I think voter registration records and all kinds of stuff so this came in on his website right there last week You the trick. I got one today. So we're experts at this shit. As far as the allegations of you know CIA hacking into you know Senate computers, nothing can further from the truth. I mean, we wouldn't do that. I mean, that's 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 just beyond the the uh, you know the scope of. Of reason in terms of what we do. You know, when the facts come out on this, I think a lot of people who are claiming that there has been this tremendous sort of spying and monitoring and hacking will be proved uh, wrong. A potential bombshell of an apology today from the Hess CIA to the Senate Intelligence Committee for peeping into their computers and spying on Senate investigators who were looking into CIA practices. Turns out that uh, despite protests by the CIA that they had not been snooping on what the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee staffers were doing, uh, they were, in fact, and his statement comes forward today saying, quote, CIA Director Brennan was briefed on the CIA Office of Inspector General's findings. The director of the CIA subsequently informed the Senate Intelligence Committee chairman and vice chairman of the findings and apologized to them for such actions by CIA officers as described in the Inspector General report. Top intelligence official in the country and the director of the NSA are testifying on Capitol Hill as we speak. When pressed about reports that the NSA has been tapping the phones of foreign leaders, even allies, director of national intelligence James Clapper said that's long been par for the course. Plans and intentions of foreign leaders would be important for the United States to know. That's um, a hearty perennial. Uh, as long as I've been in the, in the intelligence business, um, 50 years, uh, leadership intentions in whatever form that's expressed is kind of a, a basic tenet of what uh, we are to collect and analyze.
Now, the White House has long denied German media reports that President Obama was told in 2010 that the NSA was spying, tapping the phone of German Chancellor Angela Merkel and let it going on. The intelligence. Now, allow me to interject here. There's an article that I put out about emails that Obama and Biden were using found in the Hunter Biden laptop. Let me jog your memory and remind you how this is relevant. The Germans excluded the NSA from observing their communication. DMX is owned by the German intelligence service. Your former vice president, your former president, and your former executive branch holders under the Obama administration, once the NSA was excised from being able to access German intelligence servers, they would communicate with each other through DMX emails. I would like for you to go to torysays.com and find the article. Actually, I can share it with you. Give me a moment. You pull it up. Just looking for it. Give me a second. Searching my site right now. There we go. Strong election audit. There we go. Okay. So there's a reason for that. See, they were using Gmail and whatever, right? But then once um, they got the NSA, remember, every hindrance they have then helps them. So let's see, can you guys see this? Yes, you can. Um, so secret emails used by Obama and Biden are hosted by German intelligence. And I made it clear in this article, because nobody reads anymore, that they did this to evade communication detection. There was no NSA. They knew the NSA was looking. So now that the NSA has been excised from German intelligence servers, they can send emails huh, with no problem. Here's Joseph Biden, GMX, John Flynn to GMX, right? So these are the things that we should be looking into on the Hunter Biden laptop. The fact that they're using GMX, DMX servers, pay attention, pay attention. So for all of you out there that think you know, you don't. See, while they were outed that they were investigating foreign nations, this helped them get rid of the NSA, it was all planned, from the German intelligence servers, hence why Five Eyes played such a big role in the Russia hoax. The more you know, of course. And so while everyone's reactionary, if you go back, because consistency is key here when it comes to valid information, I kept saying, look at the transition team. They're using outside information. So weird. But yet, you know, you guys thought you knew? They were so upset. The Germans were upset, but here he is. You know, emailing on that server, no problem. So was she, so were others, right? That's the way it goes. Hillary Clinton used her private server to evade government oversight. Obama and Biden used German intelligence controlled emails to evade NSA detections. What were they hiding? Treason, bribes, organizing the Russia hoax. But you know, your influencers no more, of course.
Intelligence Committee Chairman Press Clapper about whether the White House would have been told that foreign leaders are being tapped. Would it, in fact, uh, any value of that information find its way to uh, at least the National Security Council in the White House? Uh, well, it certainly could. They may not have uh, information specifically related to uh, a specific selector or any specific collection target. What they would see, though, would be the output of this uh, in, in its, in its total, uh, total dimension. I want to bring in Chief National Security Correspondent uh, Jim Shudo. Jim, we just heard James Clapper kind of explain this discrepancy, or at least attempt to explain the discrepancy between uh, intelligence officials saying that the White House and the National Security Council had been briefed on this program, and the White House saying that President Obama certainly did not know that Merkel's phone had been tapped. Uh, translate that for us. Well, I think that whether he intended to or not, Clapper actually gave President Obama some cover there because, as he said, Presidents read this kind of intelligence all the time. They're looking at the output. They might not necessarily know what the source uh, of that output is. I found it particularly reprehensible that on Veterans Day, that Donald Trump would attack and impugn the integrity and the character of Jim Clapper, who served in uniform for 35 years, who responded to the call of his country to go to Vietnam, flew in over 70 combat support missions over Vietnam, and like Senator McCain, really did put his life at risk because of this country's national security. And to impugn the character of somebody like Jim Clapper on Veterans Day, who, who has dedicated so much of his life to this country, I just find that outrageous. And it's something that I, I think that, the, that Mr. Trump should be ashamed of, but it doesn't seem as though uh, anything he does, uh, he feels any shame whatsoever. Why should he feel shame? You guys set it up where you told the world that you were spying on them, right? And it was just the Germans, the Nazis, of course, right? And then you were really upset. But let me remind everyone how before Rick Grinnell released the paperwork, look at this, 2018, December 13, 2018, I told you that they were unmasking people, unmasking, unmasking, unmasking. Wait, this fat fuck right here, Taft and his really enriched daughters, you should read this because I'm telling you the methods that John Brennan uses. And this is the corner that me and him had it out. But anyway, I digress. Russian national individuals. This is where the unmasking comes in. And that fat fuck actually unmasked. And if you notice, General Flynn was unmasked around that time. See, one thing I've learned in my life is that when you agitate people that believe that they have full control and power, that they believe that you're nothing, you're under their thumb, they can do what they please. See, this is how you trip them up, by pissing them off. There's a method to the madness. Now, uh, I strongly urge people take a look at, you know, what I've put out there and how I told you that they were unmasking. And it so happens that in November, when they got tripped up, Teft unmasked General Flynn. Why? Oh, Tori, how did you know that? Well, I don't know. Why don't you go back and look at what Rick Grinnell made public and see that I was fucking right? But I digress. Let's continue. I have to reciprocate uh, what an honor it has been to serve with the likes of John Brennan and Jim Comey, who are de dedicated public servants and have served this country long and well and with great integrity.
have to be able to trust our officials. And when you're doing this, when you have the ability to completely destroy people's lives, you have the ability to actually kill people overseas, I would think that you really have to have the utmost trust. And I think he's lost our trust by lying to us. When are you going to apologize for the million Iraqis that are dead because you lied? You lied about weapons of mass destruction. You lied about connections to 9 11. You lied about Iraq being oppressed. You just need to Iraq. You just need to Iraq. In 2003, my friends are dead. Justice is not killed. You, you killed people. You lied. You lied about WMD. A million Iraqis are dead because you lied. My friends are dead because you lied. You need to apologize. The Iraq war was one of the most cataclysmic actions that the United States government has ever undertaken. And yet, so many who were most directly implicated in the failure, including Mueller, never suffered any penalty. On the contrary, they've been touted as heroes, and their colossal failings are ignored. The National Intelligence Director, James Clapper, who currently is in office, it's not an ex-director, he doesn't have an axe to grind, he said that during the 15th month run-up to the war, the WMD, the stockpiles, were taken out of the country. Now, our top spy has said this. Do you ignore him? Is he a loon? If he's a loon, do you want him as our top spy? I'm asking about this proof of intelligence because we know during the run-up to the Iraq war, there was intelligence. And you've written in your book that you contributed that. It didn't turn out to be all accurate. So how confident can the American people be going forward that any intelligence uh, is, is well, accurate, that they count on it? I think, uh, you know, uh, my fingerprints were on that, uh, the infamous National Intelligence Estimate uh, weapon, which dealt with weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and published in October of 2002, and you're quite right, uh, much of it was, uh, was wrong. I think um, what people should take note of are the lessons learned from that experience and the practices and procedures that have been built into the preparation of such intelligence, particularly at the national intelligence level, to um, prevent that. That's not to say that policymakers, whether this set of policymakers or any other set of policymakers, you know, what they might do with that intelligence, either ignore it, accept it, or reject it. But I think the intelligence community has, has built in some mechanisms to uh, preclude a recurrence of that. And the issue will be, and this is a policy call, not an intelligence community call, is the extent to which that's shared uh, with the American public. The, the, I mean, the information that the administration has, and to the right. extent it, exactly. it's shared. But how worried, I mean, more broadly speaking, how worried are you, either because of the mixed signals that you were just yeah. referring to, or intelligence and how it's read, that there could be some kind of a confrontation as a result of a miscalculation, a misunderstanding, or for any reason? Well, that's always uh, uh, potential. Uh, and as, as I indicated earlier, particularly when you have hostile force and military forces in close proximity, as you certainly do in the Strait of Hormuz. Uh, I think, I don't think either Iran or the United States really wants to get into a, um, a, a large military confrontation. I think uh, this would be um, a bad thing for both sides. So I think we're going to have perhaps more of this rhetoric, which uh, makes makes you a little apprehensive. But I don't. I don't. I think both sides are going to try to do all they can to avoid a major confrontation.
earlier following new developments in what has been a long and tense relationship between President Donald Trump and the U.S. intelligence community. The Wall Street Journal reports that spy agencies are withholding sensitive information from the White House because of their, quote, deep mistrust of Mr. Trump and his administration. But the director of national intelligence has denied this in a state saying that any suggestion the U.S. intel community is hiding information is not true. Let's bring in Chief Washington Correspondent for Yahoo News, Oliver Knox. He joins us from Washington. Olivier, um, this Wall Street Journal report comes as the New York Times is reporting that the president is planning a broad review of American intel agencies. What do you make of these developments? Well, you know, throughout the campaign, Donald Trump waged kind of a, a low-grade war on the intelligence community. Um, and then during the transition and early on in his term, we had comparisons to the Nazis. He did a weird sort of campaign-style rally in front of the CIA's memorial wall, which went down very badly with a lot of the career professionals over at CIA. Um, there's a lot of tension here, and there's tension not just between this White House and intelligence agencies, but also law enforcement. And a lot of the leaks that we're talking about, we've been talking about this week, are actually from the law enforcement side at least as much as they are from the intelligence side. So the president is trying to keep the focus uh, on that, trying to keep the spotlight on these leaks. And uh, in fact, he tweeted this morning, uh, he's pretty happy with the, with the article, uh, the spotlight has finally been put on the low-life leakers. They will be caught. I want to ask you, I mean, it is a legitimate concern, the level of leaks coming out of the intelligence community and other places. You take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday of getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. The yeah. intelligence briefing yeah. on so-called Russian hacking was delayed until Friday, perhaps more time needed to build a case. Very strange. But he's, he's taking these shot this antagonism yeah. is taunting to the intelligence community you. what do you think the intelligence community would do if they were i don't know to? but i from what told they are very upset with how he has treated them and talked about them the obama administration's former cia director john brennan tweeted to the president it's astounding how often you fail to live up to minimum standards of decency civility and probity seems like you will never understand what it means to be president nor what it takes to be a good decent and honest person so disheartening so dangerous. There are a lot of Americans out there who are scared this week. Um, Democrats, Republicans, independents, uh, because of the behavior by the president. Um, are you among them? I'm uh, concerned. I, 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 will, I will say that. I think Donald Trump has badly sullied the reputation of the office of the presidency with his invective, with his constant um, disregard, I think, for human decency, as well as his befriending of autocratic leaders around the world. We took an oath to protect the con and serve the Constitution of the United States of America. And the way we do that is we begin impeachment proceedings now against this president. I believe, I truly believe, the time to begin impeachment proceedings against this president has come. And I will fight every day until he is impeached. Impeach him. I think you could reach in a bag and pull so many things out that are impeachable of this president. I support impeaching this president. This means supporting an impeachment inquiry of this president and his action by the uh, administration and his appointees. Sadly, this is not the first, nor will it be the last time we hear disgusting, bigoted language from the president. We're going to go in there and impeach the motherfucker. I'm pretty sure he deserves to be impeached. Today, I'm announcing the House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry.
Obama is denying claims made by President Donald Trump that he wiretapped Trump Tower several months ago. Trump recently made the accusation online, tweeting, How low has President Obama gone to tap my phones during the very sacred election process? This is Nixon Watergate, bad or sick guy. A spokesperson for Obama responded, saying, A cardinal rule of the Obama administration was that no White House official ever interfered with any independent investigation led by the Department of Justice. Obama's team confirmed that rule was followed, stating neither President Obama nor any White House official ever ordered surveillance. In his tweets, Trump also claimed the wiretapping started in October and asked, is it legal for a sitting president to be wiretapping a race for president prior to an election, calling it a new low? The 45th president went on to allege that nothing had been found and has given no evidence of his claims. The former director of national intelligence under President Obama is speaking out. After Donald Trump told the world via his Twitter he thought the former president had wiretapped his phone leading up to the November election. Now James Clapper tells Meet the Press. There was no such wiretap activity mounted against uh, the president uh, the president-elect at the time or as a candidate or against his campaign. Clapper further told Meet the Press he can deny the existence of any sort of Foreign Intelligence Survey Court Act to monitor Trump Tower, further saying that if there were a wiretap, he would, quote, certainly hope he'd know about it. On Saturday, former President Obama's spokesman Kevin Lewis denied surveillance of not only Trump, but on any U.S. citizen, saying that, quote, any suggestion otherwise is simply false. Well, Wolf, U.S. officials tell CNN that last year, the FBI used a dossier of allegations of Russian ties to Donald Trump's campaign as part of the justification to get approval to secretly monitor Trump associate Carter Page. Now, those sources say that the FBI director, James Comey, has cited the dossier in some of his briefings to members of Congress in recent weeks as one of the sources of information that the Bureau used to bolster its investigation. Now, this includes approval from the secret court that oversees the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, known as FISA, to monitor Page's communications. Now, to obtain permission to target Page, the FBI and the Justice Department would have to present probable cause that he was acting as an agent of a, as a, for, of a foreign power, including possibly engaging in clandestine intelligence gathering for a foreign government. Now, Comey and other top Justice Department officials would have had to sign off on that request. Last year, Page was identified by the Trump campaign as an advisor on national security matters, though it, said, it has since said that he had limited interaction with the campaign as a volunteer. President Trump has been proven right about wiretapping, and guess what? The all-knowing, holier-than-thou, destroy Trump propaganda media has been caught in a massive lie and a major cover-up. Now, the mainstream media has been misleading all of you, the American people, for months and months about this story. So tonight, we will once again do their job and set the record straight so you have the facts. Now, according to a new report, former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort was in fact wiretapped by the FBI under FISA court warrants before and after the 2016 election. Now, according to reporting, the FBI was monitoring Manafort over concerns that he was communicating with, quote, Russian operatives. But what's even more disturbing is this. Manafort was under surveillance earlier this year when he was known to be communicating with President Trump. Manafort earlier tonight put out a statement and is demanding an investigation into how this information was leaked to the press. And he's also calling for the Obama administration surveillance of a political opponent to be investigated also. And also tonight, the DOJ did say earlier this month there was no evidence that President Trump was directly targeted for surveillance, but they didn't specify if the president was incidentally caught up in this Manafort wiretap. 
So for all of you lazy, overpaid, ideological, liberal, mainstream media people out there, you have now been exposed for the fraud you are yet again. And as we've been saying, the biased press, they're not interested in reporting the truth. In fact, they only care about smearing and delegitimizing President Trump. And this is more evidence. And after President Trump tweeted back in March, March 4th, that he was wiretapped by President Obama or people in his administration, the destroy Trump media lost it. They were viciously mocking and attacking him. Watch this. The bottom line is, and always has been, there is no evidence that Donald Trump was wiretapped by Barack Obama. It was and continues to be a lie. Our conspiracy theory president is at it again. And whenever something like this happens, I wonder what are... But he did wiretap him. Adam Schiff was using a wiretap. That was the whistleblower. They just then manufactured someone to step in, almost like they digitally altered the votes. But then they had to have the tangible evidence. Hence why we never saw the whistleblower report. You see, remember how I said the whistleblower, Sierra Mella, that you weren't allowed to talk about because then that made it seem like that was valid. You see, everyone's like, oh, they're blocking me from saying it. So therefore it must be true. Yeah, it is true that that person exists. It is true that that person was tasked to be the whistleblower, but they weren't the whistleblower. So why not block people that say it, ban them, so that way there's more merit to that. So they focus on that rather than the wiretap. But if you remember correctly, I wrote the article about that. Let me show it to you. And President Trump said, is there a whistleblower? Right. Because he knew. He knew. <laughs> the people that know, knew. So here's the article that I wrote, the whistleblower is a wiretap. Reported on September 28th that Daniel J. Jones is the author of the whistleblower complaint. The only way to defeat the enemy is to know thy enemy. And if you read the paperwork that Daniel J. Jones of Penn Quarterly Group that helped fund Fusion GPS, that, that, that wrote the CIA torture report, blah, blah, blah. You can see all his writing. He helped author it. But I told you, it was a wiretap. It's obviously important for the country that real Donald Trump be removed from office, extraordinary corrupt abuse power in Ukraine, dome scandal. We'll get to that. NSA section 702. How many times have I written about it? How many times have I talked about it? Education, my friends, education. Oh, 435 members of the house. Only one knows who the whistleblower is and who their sources are. Why? Well, because it was a wiretap. It was a wiretap. It was a wiretap. Seven congressional members, six since Elijah Cummings passed, two former senior Obama officials and four outside contractors came together for a work product for a showdown in a basement like rats. Is the whistleblower shift skiff? Let's be honest. This is a very pedestrian coup because they aren't that smart. Having said that, I should tell you that my sources, because that's how I have sources. I actually said this to Jim Jordan's space. He's like, I'll pass this information on to my staffers. I said, how the fuck do you think I know what every one of you does? Your staffers. You don't pay them enough and they have to share houses. You'll be surprised. So again, was a wiretap. Obama got that done. I mean, the florist helped. Are the president's sources of information? Where is he getting these ideas? And that has been denied by President Obama, by the former director of national intelligence, and now we know it as well by the FBI director. 
they are all saying it did not happen. So is the president calling all three of those individuals liars? I don't think they're taking seriously enough how devastating this is to the American system for one president to say, my predecessor wiretapped. John? We have been living in, uh, really through the Trump campaign and uh, unto this hour, this alternative reality. The way that, pre- that Donald Trump seems to think about what a president can do feels very Nixonian, that he has a much more inflated view of a president's powers for him to believe that a president could even, in theory, because the election is ongoing, and tap her oppo- tap the opponent of his preferred candidate. Uh, Trump's mind is a little bit of a mystery to me. So. <laughs> the conspiracy theory media lies to you again. Now, this is not surprising, considering the left-wing media, it's like an echo chamber. They all find one topic to attack the president on, and they repeat and repeat and repeat the same talking points. This is beyond pathetic predictable, frankly dangerous in a lot of ways. Now, while the media was going after President Trump, on this program, well, we actually tried to find out the truth. Remember, this was March 4th when the president tweeted. On March 8th, on this program, Circa News' Sarah Carter, John Solomon, they were reporting that Trump's communications could have, in fact, been caught up in this FISA warrant that was in effect in October. We were way ahead of the curve. Here's what Sarah Carter told us back then. Now, there was also a separate FISA. It was an overall FISA. And I don't have as much information on that. That FISA, though, was a general FISA that covered the whole Russian hacking investigation. What we don't know is who was connected to that FISA. What was that FISA looking at? And that is very highly classified. Nobody wants to talk about that particular FISA right now. There is a distinction between a FISA Understood. and then a wiretapping. But they did tap. I mean, they were looking. All right, so I was skimming through the article. My audio was disconnected. I just wanted to show you that in 2018, I had talked about the FISA warrant, and look who was in charge. Clapper. Well, Lynch, being the AG, had to assist with the legal remedies and cover-ups. And Judge Collier exited, on my birthday, by the way, um, from her seat. Here, she condemned their actions, and in October of 2016, she fired Carlin for those overcollections. It's not FISA. It's overcollections. It's not FISA. It's overcollections. That's how they wiretapped. But I digress. So the truth was staring all these so-called journalists in the face the entire time. They never followed up on that story. Remember, Sarah Carter, John Solomon, they did all the legwork for them. Of course they didn't. It doesn't fit their narrative, their ideological agenda. They'd just rather repeat each other's lies and conspiracy theories than report the facts and explain what's really going on, something you deserve. And after making this story, well, some of the anchors over at the fake news network CNN, even now, they finally are having to start to admit that President Trump was right the entire time after March 4th this happened. Take a look. Hold on a second, Maggie, because I do think it sounds like the president was right. If Paul Manafort has a residence in Trump Tower and Paul Manafort was being surveilled and wiretapped, Trump Tower was wiretapped. No, it was not. I'm sorry. How do you know? uh, Well, I don't know, but I know that what we know so far does not indicate that Trump Tower, my lines, as he put it, were unless you were saying that he owns every single thing in Trump Tower. Yeah, that is what he's saying. The president came out about this, right? We all remember those tweets on March 4th. Let me just read them again for anyone who's forgotten. Terrible. Just found out that Obama had my, quote, wires tapped in Trump Tower just before the victory. Nothing found. This is McCarthyism. He continued, how low has President Obama gone to tap my phones during the very sacred election process? This is Nixon Watergate. Bad, uh, open parentheses, or sick guy. He was derided for this. But, Mark, is he somehow vindicated tonight? So when will other members of the establishment destroy Trump media? When are they going to come forward and admit 
they had it wrong. Now, there's a very important fact in this story that cannot be ignored, and that is Obama's former director of national intelligence, James Clapper, he denied on Meet the Press back in March that there was ever any wiretappings of President Trump or his campaign. And he also said there was no evidence of a FISA court warrant. warrant. Listen to what he says. Watch this. For the part of the national security apparatus that I oversaw as DNI, there was no such wiretap activity mounted against uh, the president, uh, the president-elect at the time, or as a candidate, or against his campaign. There is no FISA court order. Not, not to my knowledge. Of anything at Trump Tower. No. Wrong and shocking. Now, Clapper needs to be hauled in front of Congress, and he needs to be ordered to testify under oath about everything that he knows and how he went on television and said something that's not true. Because guess what? He doesn't appear to be telling the truth yet again in the clip we just showed you. It's inexcusable. I hope tonight the Attorney General of the United States, Jeff Sessions, is watching. The American people deserve to know the truth. The mainstream establishment media is no longer in the truth-telling business. I do want to ask you about the Mueller report. Uh, the special counsel, Robert Mueller, as you know, concluded there was no conspiracy, no, no uh, illegal cooperation between the, the mm -hmm. Trump campaign and Russian officials. But you have said, and I'm quoting you, there were examples of what you call passive collusion that you found troubling. What were you referring well, to? Well, I think to start with, uh, one prime example is um, President or candidate Trump's exhortation to the Russians on the 27th of July of uh, 2016, where he enjoined the Russians to go find the missing 30,000 uh, emails of, Clinton email. of, of Hillary Clinton, alleged missing 30,000 emails. And um, as we saw, as graphically portrayed in the recent Mueller report, but even earlier than that, in an earlier indictment, the Russians did exactly what he asked them to do. That very day, after hours, uh, the GRU went and searched for those, those emails. Uh, as we didn't know this contemporaneously, but certainly the Trump Tower meeting in June of 16, where it appeared there was certainly a willingness to accept uh, uh, help from the Russians. And as the Mueller, uh, uh, Mueller investigation report points out, that the campaign expected to benefit electorally from the support given to them by the Russians. And that's so here we have our arch adversary uh, helping uh, one candidate against another. To Washington, D.C. now, where former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton cannot seem to extinguish a growing firestorm over her emails. And tonight it seems to be getting worse. There are new allegations that she didn't just delete tens of thousands of those emails from her personal account. She wiped the server clean. Here's ABC's David Wright. Did Hillary Clinton try to hide vital correspondence on Benghazi and other matters of state? We may never know. The chair of the committee investigating Benghazi now says Secretary Clinton unilaterally decided to wipe her server clean and permanently delete all emails from her personal server. Clinton claimed from the outset she had nothing to hide, that she had turned over all relevant work emails and urged them to be made public. I chose not to keep my private personal emails. So the committee requested she hand over the server to a third party. This is from Fox News. I just can't trust her lawyers to make the determination that the public's getting everything they're entitled to. Now Clinton's lawyers say she's ready and willing to come and appear herself for a hearing open to the American public. That will be a high stakes appearance for Hillary Clinton. She's going to have to convince skeptical members of Congress that she was in compliance and convince the American public that there's nothing to hide. Even if the emails themselves now have gone away, it seems unlikely questions about Clinton's transparency will. Well, in connection with all that, as you, again, as you know, the Attorney General now has launched his own investigation into whether what the intelligence community was doing back during the Obama administration, mm -hmm. whether what the, the Department of Justice, the FBI, were doing in investigating the Trump campaign, whether that was an appropriate uh, action. 
that was taken. Well, what, what do you know about that? I was think, it appropriate? I think what was done was appropriate because of what the Russians were doing. And what we saw were uh, only a smattering of what we now know were apparently dozens of encounters between represent Russian representatives and members of the Trump camp. And so this had obvious counterintelligence uh, implications. Um, so I, I think it's certainly appropriate for the Attorney General to look back, are there lessons learned here, do the procedures need to be changed? But it, uh, I think what is bothersome to me is impugning the motives because our concern was the threat posed by, and it continues to be my concern, the threat posed by the Russians. One of you mentioned the Trump uh, Tower meeting. You also There was also a briefing at Trump Tower after President Trump had been elected that you and other intelligence mm -hmm. officials participated in. The Barr investigation is looking at whether that inf contents from that meeting were leaked to the press. Do you know anything about that? Were you involved in leaking? In leaking? No. Uh, there's been specific concern about the dossier, I guess. Uh, and um, This is the former Russian, I'm sorry, former British The uh, collection, the compendium of right. 17 separate memos that were uh, compiled by former British, retired British intelligence officer Christopher Steele, who was, uh, I think, regarded as uh, credible by, a credible source by um, the FBI. And pretty hard to leak something that was already widely available in uh, uh, in the media and the dossier itself is not a classified document so uh, to answer your question directly no I didn't and I don't know I don't know of anyone else in the intelligence community that knew about this that leaked anything to the media very very quickly one other question I want to ask you in the Mueller report there's a reference to your uh, saying that you could not certify to then president-elect Trump that you knew that the dossier information was false. What can you, is there anything you can tell us about your conversation with President Trump? Sure, I, I recounted that in the book. The, the context was, by the way, his uh, characterization on the 10th of January of, of 2017, we briefed him on the 6th, the previous Friday, uh, the characterization of the intelligence community as Nazis. And I felt, as the leader of the intelligence community, that I couldn't let that pass, so I called him. Uh, and amazingly enough, he, he took the call. And during the course of that call, he asked me to put out a statement refuting um, the, um, the, dossier. the dossier, which I couldn't do. Uh, I couldn't affirm it or refute it. I will say that some things in the dossier were corroborated from separate sources of information that we did have high confidence in, in the original intelligence community assessment that we rendered on the 6th, 6th of January. So I couldn't do that uh, uh, one way or the other. General Clapper, have you ever leaked information, classified or unclassified, to a member of the press? Uh, not wittingly or knowingly, as I said in my statement. Classified or unclassified? Well, uh, unclassified is not uh, is not leaking. <laughs> Uncla unclassified, I, I, that's that's well, somewhat, of a, have, that's have somewhat you, of a non sequitur. Have, have you ever given information to a reporter? that you didn't want to have your name connected with, but you wanted to see it in the paper? Uh, I have not. Uh, I, I, I've you have said that you believe that the dossier that was presented by the intel community to Mr. Trump, as well as to President Obama, it included the opposition research with wild, unconfirmed accusations um, about Mr. Trump. You've called that, quote, a garbage document. What did you mean by that? Uh, I mean that, first of all, the meeting that the intelligence chiefs had uh, with Trump was to go over their very good assessment of Russian hacking. And then they added, uh, as CNN first reported in a uh, terrific story, because this is news, this two-page summary of this dossier that's full of all these uh, unconfirmed uh, allegations. I've read those 35 pages. Uh, the quality is uh, not good. Uh, it, it is the sort of document that you would, you know, they tainted the 
good report they had on Russian hacking mm. by including this, and, and the sh uh, they shouldn't the, have done that. The uh, intel they should have found a channel to make sure Trump okay. got it, maybe through the White House counsel. The Trump dossier is about much more than just a P-tape. That was one kernel in a giant bushel of accusations uncovered by investigator Christopher Steele through months of work and intel contacts. The 35-page document exploded onto the scene January 10th, 2017, when BuzzFeed published it in all of its raw, unvetted infamy. That was just 10 days before Donald Trump's inauguration. BuzzFeed made its move right after CNN reported that the directors of national intelligence, the FBI, CIA, and NSA were all aware of the findings and figuring out exactly how to share them with the incoming president. In the end, Comey did the honors. As far as the financing involved, the Democratic Party's lawyer hired political research firm Fusion GPS to produce the dossier, which then in turn enlisted the services of foreign British intelligence officer Christopher Steele to do the legwork at his firm, Orbis. According to The New Yorker, Steele's employees then worked with collectors who are well-connected to people across continents, industries, and agencies. They then retrieved information from their own well-placed sources. Quote, these sources occasionally receive favors, such as helping getting their children into Western schools, but money doesn't change hands because it could risk violating laws against, say, bribing government officials or insider trading. Paying sources might also encourage them to embellish. Now the findings. First, the golden shower, certainly the most salacious and questionable allegation. Mr. Trump, according to this story, was staying at the Moscow Ritz-Carlton and asked prostitutes to perform a golden shower urination show on the bed where President Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama had slept. The possibility of a videotape was raised, but nothing ever turned up there. Even Steele says the veracity of this part is probably iffy. Here's a rundown of some of the less sensational dossier elements and where they stand today. Russia cultivated Trump as a political candidate for at least five years. That's unverified. It's clear that Russians with Kremlin connections tried for years to deepen business and cultural ties, even making numerous attempts to connect with Trump officials during the campaign. But as for directly pushing the businessman to become a candidate, that's not been proven. The Kremlin targeted educated youth and swing state voters during its cyber attacks. Verified. This has been proven by congressional investigators into Russia's misinformation campaigns. Trump campaign advisor Carter Page met with representatives of Russian state-owned oil giant Rosneft. That's verified. The House Intel Committee released a transcript of Page's testimony revealing he did meet with Rosneft officials during a trip to Moscow in 2016. A wealthy Aziri businessman knew details about business bribes Trump had allegedly paid in Russia unverified. Evidence to this has never surfaced. The Kremlin allegedly offered lucrative real estate deals to Trump to help win him over. That's unclear also. The Trump Organization did sign a letter of intent in 2015 to build Trump Tower Moscow, but the project was scuttled in January 2016. But when it comes to just money, Eric Trump reportedly told a journalist in 2014 and later denied, quote, we don't rely on American banks. We have all the funding we need out of Russia. Also, Trump's lawyer worked as an intermediary between Trump and Russia, unverified. A trip by Trump attorney Michael Cohen to Prague in August 2016 to meet with Kremlin associates has not been substantiated. Cohen's repeatedly denied that claim, and he provided reporters with photos of his passport to show he had never traveled to Prague. Trump's team knew about... He doesn't have to travel to Prague so they can have proof. We can manufacture proof. Actually, I can pick one of you out of any of these chats and make it look on the FAA systems and the State Department systems that you traveled. 
test me. I can add debt to your portfolio. I can erase your bank accounts. I can change your name at Social Security, which will cause you an issue to be able to get your ID. I can also insert false arrests, even convictions, even prison time and slot it in there because I can. I can say that, you know, one random person on the YouTube chat, I'm just going to pick you, sorry, I'm not picking on Pup Pup, was in prison for six years for peddling marijuana. But Pup Pup's never been to jail. Doesn't matter. I could put it in there. I can manufacture the documentation and put it in there. Why? Because we're digital now. Oh, we don't have the original one. You know, <laughs> climate change and all, save the trees. Fuck that. You see? And then when they show you, hey, you didn't go to Prague, but we can make it look like you did. So now, here's your deal, Mr. Cohen. You're going to go sit in jail. We'll take care of you. We'll give you a steak dinner. Okay? After we fuck with your head. And you continue your TDS. See, I actually tweeted that to him. And um, he blocked me. When I said, okay, 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 we know part of your deal with the FBI was to continue your TDS. He blocked me instantly. Because he was pushing the Stormy Daniels shit. Which we all know she was an informant for Nixium, But whatever. I digress. I just wanted to point it out. That they could say whatever they want. And if actually pushed, they will manufacture it. But they were under such a high microscope that they could not because they knew that there were people that don't exist that may show that they changed the information. And that would open up a whole can of worms. So they're like, look, we're not going to manufacture it right now until we have full control. We'll just use the media to disseminate. And then later, we'll backdate it. Russian plans to deliver DNC emails to WikiLeaks and agreed to sideline Russian intervention in Ukraine as a campaign issue. That's also unverified. We know for sure Trump's good friend Roger Stone knew about WikiLeaks. It remains to be seen whether then-candidate Trump was in the loop also. So that's where some of the biggies stand today. Meanwhile, the Senate Intel Committee and Special Counsel Robert Mueller continue their investigations. His campaign to Russia. The Washington Post first reported Democrats' connection to the research, which leaked in January. The FBI says it has confirmed some of the claims in the document, which are now under investigation by Special Counsel Robert Mueller and his team. Here's Jeff Begays. The 35-page dossier details some of the most explosive allegations now under investigation by Special Counsel Robert Mueller. President Trump continued to dismiss the document today. It was made up, and I understand they paid a tremendous amount of money, and Hillary Clinton always denied it. The Democrats always denied it. The law firm that represented both the Democratic National Committee and the Hillary for America campaign has confirmed that it paid Fusion GPS in April of 2016 to perform a variety of research services. Until now, some top Clinton campaign officials have denied knowing who is behind the effort to dig up dirt. Former campaign spokesman Brian Fallon. I'm sure that there is a small group of folks that were aware of the nature of uh, the decision to hire Fusion back in the spring of 2016, but it was kept for reasons that I can understand to a very select group given the sensitive nature of who they hired. Fusion GPS hired Christopher Steele, a former British spy who compiled a dossier containing unsubstantiated information, including President Trump's alleged connections to the Kremlin. Alex Conant, who is now a CBS News consultant, worked for Senator Marco Rubio's presidential campaign. Every competent campaign does opposition research on their opponents because you want to know your opponent's vulnerabilities. I think hiring foreign spies is a rather aggressive uh, 
a tactic, which is not normal, but it is normal to do opposition research. The FBI was also prepared to enter into a financial agreement with Christopher Steele to continue his work, but some Republicans started the opposition research effort during the 2016 primary. Elaine? Well, Jeff, how long were the Democrats associated with Fusion GPS? Well, from what we heard today, it sounds like they were associated with Fusion GPS between April of 2016 and the weeks before the November election. So it looks like that uh, relationship, if you will, ended uh, in about October of 2016. So it was a matter of months. But during that time, Christopher Steele was able to compile this dossier that at some point during that period he felt was important enough that he reached out to Senator John McCain uh, and the FBI. And Jeff, what took so long for the Democrats to acknowledge helping to pay for the research that went into the dossier? Well, that's a good question. And there are members of Congress who are asking those questions today as well. Uh, we know that Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the former chair of the DNC, was asked about that today, whether she responded that she was not aware. Uh, so these are questions that some members of Congress have as well. How much or, or when did uh, many of these top Democratic officials know about this and why didn't they come forward sooner and acknowledge it? And Jeff, what can you tell us about the FBI's desire to use Christopher Steele as an asset? Well, as we've been reporting, it was the Republicans who initially started this effort to gather this research, this information on Donald Trump and his business contacts. And then once the primary was over, it moved over to the Democrats who helped pay for that research. Uh, but eventually the FBI was interested in Christopher Steele uh, continuing his work. So they obviously viewed him as a credible enough source uh, to uh, explore the potential of entering an agreement with him so that he would continue his work looking into these alleged ties between the Trump campaign and Kremlin officials. Republican staff members for the committee, uh, you're the top Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee, traveled to London earlier this summer to try to speak with Christopher Steele, the former British intelligence agent who, of course, compiled that dossier of allegations of possible Russian ties to Trump's campaign. Did you, as the top Democrat on the committee, did you know about this trip? Do, do Republicans have their own separate investigation going on? Uh, I wasn't aware of it. I don't think Mr. Conaway was either. Uh, but the reality is we do want to meet with uh, Mr. Steele. We would like to have him come before the committee. Uh, if he's not willing to do that, uh, we'd be happy, Mr. Conaway and myself, uh, to go to London to sit down with him. Uh, he does have, I think, certainly very relevant uh, information uh, that would assist our investigation. Uh, we want to do this uh, certainly in a cooperative way. Uh, but I think that is an important element. We want to look at each of the allegations within the so-called dossier uh, and particularly look at them now in light of what we know from that Don Jr. meeting about the intent of the campaign to get Russian help. Uh, part of that is discussed, not necessarily that particular meeting, but that whole idea is discussed within uh, Mr. Steele's findings in that dossier. Well, we're going to start this morning, and a good Wednesday morning to you all, with uh, President-elect Donald Trump clashing with the intelligence community before getting briefed on those Russian hacking allegations. Trump fired off a skeptical tweet, claiming the briefing had been delayed, but intelligence sources say that's not the case. And WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange is also weighing in, insisting the hacked emails that embarrassed Democrats before the election did not come from Russia. ABC's Janae Norman is following the overnight developments from Washington, D.C. Good morning, Janae.
Candace and Diane, good morning. So that briefing centers on allegations Russians hacked the DNC with intentions to influence the election. Allegations President-elect Trump, Russian President Vladimir Putin, and uh, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange continue to deny. The president-elect throwing shade on the U.S. intelligence community, tweeting, the intelligence briefing on so-called Russian hacking was delayed until Friday. Perhaps more time needed to build a case. Very strange. But intelligence officials say that briefing was always scheduled for Friday. It's the latest in the election hacking scandal that found the president-elect aligned with a fugitive computer activist. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange telling Fox News' Sean Hannity Russia was not the source of stolen DNC emails. We, we can say, and um, we have said uh, repeatedly uh, over the last few months, uh, that our source uh, is not the Russian government uh, and it is not state parties. But officials say those emails were in fact delivered to WikiLeaks by a middleman for the Russians. And whether Assange is a knowing participant or what the Russians call a useful idiot, uh, that's hard to tell. Meanwhile in Washington, House Republicans doing an about-face. First, behind closed doors, voting to protect themselves by gutting the Office of Congressional Ethics created to make sure they play by the rules. Then, Trump tweeting, with all that Congress has to work on, do they really have to make the weakening of the independent ethics watchdog as unfair as it may be their number one act and priority? And finally, a last-minute meeting and unanimous decision to delay, heavily influenced by those tweets. Yes, it animated the press. Michael Flynn, General Flynn, is a wonderful man. I think he's been treated very, very unfairly by the media, um, as I call it, the fake media in many cases. And uh, I think it's really a sad thing that he was treated so badly. I think in addition to that, uh, from intelligence, uh, papers are being leaked, things are being leaked. It's criminal action, criminal act. And it's been going on for a long time before me. But now it's really going on. And people are trying to cover up for a terrible loss that the Democrats had under Hillary Clinton. I think it's very, very unfair what's happened to General Flynn, the way he was treated, and the documents and papers that were illegally, I stress that, illegally leaked. Very, very unfair. Some of these leaks, that they sort of walk up to the line of treason. Some might say, hey, they're just leaking out something that they think the public should know. Where do you draw that line? Well, I think uh, first of all, I have to say that leaks are uh, damaging, they're corrosive, they risk compromising uh, sources, methods, and tradecraft. As we've seen recently, they damage uh, re relationships with uh, crucial partners. You know, uh, UK and Israel come to mind. And this is particularly serious now because, in my experience, uh, uh, 50 plus years in, in intelligence, I don't know of a time when we depended more on friends and allies for sharing uh, information and intelligence, particularly with respect to terrorism. So uh, I know Secretary Kelly takes, uh, you know, takes this quite seriously, and he should. You know, legal definition of what's treason, I'll leave that to the lawyers, but okay. just from a practitioner standpoint in the intelligence business, uh, leaks are bad. Mr. Clapper and Ms. Yates, uh, did either of you ever request the unmasking of Mr. Trump, his associates, or any member of Congress? Yes, in, in uh, one case I did. That I, can, I can specifically uh, recall, but I, I can't discuss it any further than that. You can't. So if I ask you for details, you said you can't discuss that. Is that what you said? Not, not here. Okay, Ms. Yates, can you answer that question? Did you ever request unmasking of Mr. Trump, his associates, or any member of Congress? No. 
question two, did either of you ever review classified documents in which Mr. Trump, his associates or members of Congress had been unmasked? Oh, yes. You have. Can you give us details here? In this no, I can't. Ms. Yates, have you? Yes, I have, and no, I can't give you details. Admiral Rogers said there are 20 people within the NSA that are part of the unmasking process. How many people within the FBI are part of the unmasking process? I don't know for sure. As I sit here, surely more, given the nature of the FBI's work, we come into contact with U.S. persons a whole lot more than the NSA does because we may be conducting, we only conduct our operations in the United States to collect electronic sur uh, surveillance, to conduct electronic surveillance. So I, I, don't, I can find out the exact number. I don't know it as I sit here. Well, I think, Director Comey, given the fact that you and I agree this is critical, vital, indispensable, a similar program is coming up for reauthorization this fall with a pretty strong headwind right now, it would be nice to know the universe of people who have the power to unmask a U.S. citizen's name. Because that might provide something of a roadmap to investigate who might have actually disseminated a mask U.S. citizen's name. Sure, the number is relevant. But what I hope the U.S. The American people will realize is the number is important, but the culture behind it is, in fact, more important. The training, the rigor, the discipline. We are obsessive about FISA and the FBI for reasons I hope make sense to this committee, but we are. Everything that's FISA has to be labeled in such a way to warn people, this is FISA. We treat this in a special way. So we can get you the number, but I, I want to assure you the culture of the FBI and the NSA around how we treat U.S. person information is obsessive, and I mean that in a good way. Director Comey, I am not arguing with you, and I do agree the culture is important. But if there are 100 people who have the uh, ability to unmask and the knowledge of a previously masked name, um, then that's 100 different potential sources of investigation. And the smaller the number is, the easier your investigation is. So the number is relevant. I concede the culture is relevant. Uh, NSA, FBI, what other U.S. government agencies have the authority to unmask a U.S. citizen's name? Well, I think all agencies that collect information pursuant to FISA have what are called standard minimization procedures, which are approved by the FISA court that govern how they will treat U.S. person information. So I know the NSA does, I know the CIA does, obviously the FBI does. I don't know for sure beyond that. How about I'm the Department of Maine? How about Maine Justice? I mean, Maine Justice, I think, does have standard minimization procedures. All right, so that's four. The NSA, FBI, CIA, Maine Justice. Does the White House have the authority to unmask a U.S. citizen's name? I think other elements of the government that are consumers of our products can ask the collectors to unmask. The unmasking resides with those who collected the information. And so if Mike Rogers' folks collected something and they sent it to me in a report and it says U.S. person number one and it's important for the FBI to know who that is, our request will go back to them. The White House can make similar requests of the FBI or NSA, but they can't on their, they don't on their own collect. So they can't on their own unmask. I got that about right? No, that's correct. Yeah. I guess what I'm getting at, Director Comey, is you say it's vital, you say it's critical, you say it's indispensable. We both know it's a threat to the reauthorization of 702 later on this fall. And oh, by the way, it's also a felony punishable by up to 10 years. So how would you begin your investigation, assuming for the sake of argument that a U.S. citizen's name appeared in the Washington Post and the New York Times unlawfully? Where would you begin that investigation? Well, I'm not going to talk about any particular investigation. That's why I said in yeah. theory. Uh, you would start by figuring out, so who are the suspects? Who touched the information that you've concluded ended up unlawfully in the newspaper? 
and start with that universe and then use investigative tools and techniques to see if you can eliminate people or include people as uh, more serious suspects. Do you know whether Director Clapper knew the name of the U.S. citizen um, that appeared in the New York Times and Washington Post? I can't say in this forum because, again, I don't want to confirm that there was classified information in the news. Would he have access to an unmasked name? In, in some circumstances, sure. He was the Director of National Intelligence, but I'm not talking about the particular. Would Director Brennan have access to an unmasked U.S. citizen's name? In some circumstances, yes. Would National Security Advisor Susan Rice have access to an unmasked U.S. citizen's name? I think any, yes, in general, and any other National Security Advisor would, I think, as a matter of their ordinary course of their business. Would former White House Advisor Ben Rhodes have access to an unmasked U.S. citizen's name? I don't know the answer to that. Would former Attorney General Loretta Lynch have access to an unmasked U.S. citizen's name? In general, yes, as would any Attorney General. So that would also include acting AG Sally Yates? Same answer. Did you, did you brief President Obama on, well, I'll just ask you, did you brief, brief President Obama on any calls involving Michael Flynn? I'm not going to get into either that particular case, that matter, or any conversations I have with the president, so I can't answer that. Here now with more New York Congressman Peter King, who sits on that House Intelligence Committee that has been going over all of this. Uh, Congressman King, good to have you with us uh, tonight. Thanks for being here. Thank you, uh, I, I want to play Jonathan Turley, who is on the show a lot. Uh, this is him this morning talking about the timing on uh, what James Clapper has said. Clapper's already admitted that he did speak with CNN. Uh, now, he is insisting that he didn't speak to any media until January 20th, but he indicated that he spoke to CNN in early January. CNN reported that high-level people had confirmed this information with him. If one of those individuals is Clapper, then he has a serious problem. He could be accused again of perjury. So what did he tell your committee, the House Intelligence Committee, about the timing of this? Well, first, he denied ever speaking to CNN about it, uh, uh, you know, be involved in leaking at all. And then when he was confronted, he said, well, he may have spoken to Tapa and it was inconclusive. But certainly, uh, you know, my impression was that he spoke to Jake Tapper or somebody at CNN in early January. And that, uh, to me, is totally uh, somebody had somebody at that level had to have spoken to the media because this is only known to a handful of people. And uh, the whole conduct of John Brennan and uh, General Clapper during that period, uh, there was leaks coming from everywhere in, in the intel community. And this dossier, as uh, James Comey told the president, the president-elect at the time, that uh, CNN had the dossier, they wanted an excuse to release it, and they wanted to give it to the president-elect so he'd be aware of what was in it. And then within a, a day or two or three days, suddenly CNN is going with it. And uh, it turns out now that Clapper did talk to Jake Tapper during that period. So I think he has a real perjury issue. And there's, again, a whole issue month of leaks coming out will you, will you from ask the intelligence him, community. I'm sorry, will you ask him to come back to clarify these things? Uh, well, we may now, but again, as far as I'm concerned, this is, not, uh, this is going to be sent, I believe, to the Justice Department. They should look at it, and it's really up to them. And he's had his chance to clarify it if, if he wanted to. Uh, again, when he was shown it, then he sort of his recollection came back, and he seemed to be a little confused. But the, right now, as far as we're concerned, our report is done. 
All this, uh, the Justice Department will have it, and I believe they should look at it carefully and probably take action. You know, there's a couple of discrepancies, too, in the, in the story. Here's what CNN report said on January the 12th when they broke this story. Mm -hmm. And we know that James Comey said when he uh, was interviewed for the book that he knew that, that CNN was looking for a news hook right. in order to start writing about the dossier because there were, it was sort of generally known that there was something out there. But once they sat down with the president and talked to him about it, uh, that gave them the leak that they, that they needed. Um, right. It said the allegations were presented in a two-page synopsis that was appended to a report on Russian interference in the 2016 election. That's the way it was in the CNN report. Now watch this with Brett Baer. The CNN reported at the time that you handed a two-page executive summary of the dossier over to him. I did not. Did not. Wait, what do you make of that? Uh, it seems to me these guys can't get their story straight. And that, again, uh, I mean, but, but to me, that whole interview with Brett Baer, by the way, was amazing. Because yeah. Comey was saying things there that I just know are not true, that contradict things he said before. Also, his lack of knowledge. And now this, the confusion, whether it's him, whether it's Clapper, uh, whether it's somebody at CNN, the fact is that... Uh, this is a whole dark period in American intelligence. What happened between, I say, December 6th and January 20th was really shameful on behalf of the intelligence community. And I put Brennan and Clapper at the center of that. Comey, I'm not sure what his role was in all this. I don't think it was a good one, but I do know, I'm very, I feel very skeptical about Brennan and Clapper. Do you feel like the IG is going to get to the bottom of this? Uh, the IG, sure. The IG, uh, so far, from all I know about uh, uh, the IG Horowitz, he does a great job. He certainly did an excellent job with Andrew McCabe. And he's going to continue to do it. And also, I think the Justice Department, the Justice Department should look at this really, to me, when it comes to Clapper, that clear contradiction in testimony. Right. I didn't have any contact with media until after I left the government on the 20th of January. So I don't quite understand, uh, at least what I've read, uh, that somehow I leaked uh, about uh, the dossier. So uh, let, let me get, so you didn't leak anything about the dossier to any media? No. Oh, yeah. I don't believe him. Uh, do you? A House Intel report accusing the former Intel National Intelligence Director of lying about leaking to the media, Jake Tapper specifically. And our next guest argues he's not the only former Obama official helping Vladimir Putin undermine our system, if not indirectly, directly. Fox News national security strategist, former deputy assistant to President Trump, Dr. Gorka with us, Sebastian Gorka with us right now. Dr. Gorka, how are they helping Putin? Well, Putin had a very clear objective to undermine America's faith in its own election and its own electoral system. And that's exactly what Clapper, Comey and Brennan did. We now know that that clip you just played of Clapper, that was a lie. Clapper admits that he spoke to CNN. Uh, we know that CNN had the dossier, but they needed a so-called news hook to hang it on. So what did he do? DNI Clapper told James Comey to brief the dossier to the president. And after that happened, Clapper told Jake Tapper at CNN, oh, it's briefed, and then CNN had their peg to hang it on. And so a dossier that was built on Russian propaganda, we now know that, became a news item thanks to Clapper leaking. And then what happens? After he leaves government, he gets a juicy contract with CNN. This is bogus. A couple of things. What you just said is not Sebastian Gorka coming up. It's written in James Comey's book that Clapper pushed him Hey, you, when you listen, we're going to leave the room. You brief him one on one. Number two, it's important that he said to Jake Tapper in January, you know, this right. is the deal. Well, the question was, well, did it happen after the inauguration? There was a few days in January he was president elect and not president. That's putting hairs. And Clapper's got a, a record of not, not telling the truth. He's already been caught lying. Yes. And he obviously is not a good liar. You know, this is the only thing, Tommy, he actually perks up when he seems to be caught in a lie. Besides that, every time he talks, it's like we woke him up in the middle of the night. But real quick, John Brennan's tweets. 
His tweets are inflammatory. He says maybe Vladimir Putin has something on this president. This guy's a CIA director. He's not some pundit from a third-rate cable show. This is shocking. Never in American history has a former civil servant of his ranking done what he just did. And might I add that during the time that he was tweeting that, and that's when he stood down, and I'll explain after the stream, Reddit was having a field day with me. Most of that stuff is scrubbed, trying to claim that I was a Gru agent. Pay attention. You know, even though people are like, nah, she's just a grifter. Pay attention to what I'm telling you and what you're seeing right now. Because he says, I don't know, but I think he could be being blackmailed. Well, everybody out there who doesn't know the details now potentially thinks, well, the president might be being blackmailed. He is serving Putin's interest. And don't forget, Brian, this individual, John Brennan, in 1976, admitted to voting for the Communist Party candidate for president before he gets hired by the CIA. I guess old habits die hard, don't they, Mr. Brennan? Right. Following this testimony, it's clear that nothing has changed. Senior Obama intelligence official have gone on record to confirm that there is no evidence of a Trump-Russia collusion. Uh, the Obama CIA director said so, Obama's director of national intelligence said so, and we take them at their word. However, there was some new information that came from the hearing that we believe is newsworthy about the intelligence gathering process the un and the unmasking of Americans identified in intelligence reports and the illegal leak of such unmasked individuals, which is a federal crime. Director Comey told the House Intelligence Committee that certain political appointees in the Obama administration had access to the names of unmasked U.S. citizens, such as senior White House officials, senior Department of Justice officials, and senior intelligence officials. Before President Obama left office, Michael Flynn was unmasked, and then illegally his identity was leaked out to media outlets, despite the fact that, as NSA Director Rogers said, that unmasking and revealing individuals endangered quote national security not only was uh, was general Flynn uh, identity made available director Comey refused to answer the question of whether or not he'd actually briefed President Obama on this on his uh, phone calls and activities director Comey called these types of disclosures of classified information a threat to national security and said he will investigate and pursue these matters to the full extent of law he also said that the leaking of classified information had become quote unusually active in the time frame in question it's also important to note that both Directors Comey and Rogers told the committee that they have no evidence that votes were changed in the swing states the president had won. But again, investigating it and having proof of it are two different things. You look at the acting Obama CIA director said that there is smoke but there is no fire. Senator Tom Cotton, not that I'm seen and not that I'm aware of. Um, you look at Director Clapper, not to my knowledge. Senator Chris Coons, Democrat from Delaware, I have no evidence of collusion. I mean, there's a point at which you continue to search for something that everybody who's been briefed hasn't seen or found. Um, I think it's fine to look into it, but at the end of the day, they're going to come to the same conclusion that everybody else has had. So you can continue, continue to look for something, but continuing to look for something that doesn't exist doesn't matter. My point is, is that no, no, no. What, I, what I'm getting at is that there is continuous. There is this media narrative that continues to talk about collusion that exists, and yet every person that's been briefed, Nunez, Tom Cotton, Chris Coons, De Democrat of, of, of Delaware, Clapper, the Obama appointee, have all said that nothing that they've seen makes them believe that there was any collusion. 
And I think there's a difference between talking about an investigation into the 2016 election, which we all know, and any evidence of con collusion. There is no evidence, according to the people that have been briefed, of any collusion or activity that, that leads them to believe that, that that exists. I think that is an important point that gets overlooked over and over and over again. Picking up where we left off in last night's angle, we're looking into the role former Obama officials played in setting an intel trap against the Trump team. With the dam of evidence now bursting, former Obama officials are trying to muddy the waters by sowing confusion. Here's a case in point. Is there anything in the dossier that has been disproven? No, uh, some of it hasn't been proven. Uh, and some of it hasn't been, no, I guess uh, the, answer, the short answer to the question. Uh, the salacious stuff, absolutely no corroboration of that to my knowledge. Wait, wait, nothing's been disproved? How would he know? He hasn't been the director of the National Intelligence for a year and a half. And that's actually the opposite of the truth. None of the wild claims in the dossier have been proven, not publicly. You can bet if any of it were true, it would have been leaked by now. They're always leaking the stuff that they think is bad for Trump. Clapper's statements statement isn't even accurate. The dossier incorrectly claimed Michael Cohen went to Prague to meet with the Russians. Of course, he's never been to Prague, no public evidence of that, looked at his passport, etc. But never mind the facts. What's really telling about Clapper's remark is that he gives away the deep state strategy. What is it? Which is basically creates so much doubt and confusion that Americans give up trying to make sense of any of it. To that end, Clapper and fellow Obama alums are pushing the line that if the dossier can't be disproved, it must be true. Like when you just stop beating your wife. Well, let's discuss how well that strategy will work in light of all the recent developments with former CIA analyst and counter-terror operations officer John Kiriakou, Republican Congressman Steve Russell of the House Oversight Committee, and former Deputy Assistant Attorney General Robert Driscoll. Congressman, this is wild. I mean, the never-ending media appearances by Jim Clapper. We were joking earlier, like, he must be promoting a book, and indeed he is promoting a book. But what's your take on what he said right there? I think it just shows that it, this is really a house of cards where they're trying to make something that they have no evidence of. And when they talk about people being guilty, it has nothing to do with collusion. I think the American people, they, they see right through this. It is a continual straw man argument. And they're going to continue to push it every way they can. That meeting at the White House today, with the, what are they calling it? It's always the Gang of Eight. Why don't we call it the Mob of Eight? The Gang of Eight. It's not clear what documents were actually presented to Devin Nunes uh, or to Trey Gowdy. Were they able to actually look at the documents well, or not look at the, the documents? The details of the meeting will not be released yeah. uh, because it was Mitch McConnell was tight-lipped about it, this. Well, and, and all of those that were present, uh, as they should be. But I think the, the bigger concern is, is that we'll... Will Devin Nunes and Trey Gowdy and others be able to actually get the information, to look at the information without redaction? Uh, you know, we, we see these problems where they will redact things, uh, withholding it from Congress. Well, since 1814 and the Oversight and Government Reform yep. Committee, we, we have that responsibility. Nothing should be redacted from Congress. They need to get to the facts. But, Robert, uh, this is what Adam Schiff said about the meeting. Let's watch. Nothing we heard today has changed our view that there is no evidence to support any allegation that the FBI or any intelligence agency placed a spy in the Trump campaign or otherwise failed to follow appropriate procedures and protocols. But apparently 
they actually didn't have the access to the documents that they wanted. At least it's not clear that they did. And so how is he coming out? It's like, well, nothing we saw. Well, apparently they didn't see all the documents well, again. And, and what I took from what he said was it's a very carefully worded statement. He said no evidence that they placed a spy in the campaign. Now, that could still mean you had a confidential informant contact people in the campaign right. and record their conversation. They didn't actually have an office like at that. Trump Tower. But that means they didn't have an embed in the campaign. Okay, I get that, but I, I don't think that's necessarily what's of most concern to, to Congress. So I think what's interesting to me is that Trump could declassify all this stuff himself with the stroke of a pen. And he's actually showing a little bit of deference to DOJ um, by he's almost playing a mediating role between two branches right. of government rather than acting as the head of the executive branch saying look you know congress has got a point there needs to be more transparency here i'm not going to force you to disclose everything because there may be some interests that are so strong yeah. it's justified yeah. uh, honest reasons for redaction but things not like i mean i couldn't get over the the seventy thousand dollar conference room table that andrew mccabe bought was one of the redactions well, then they get on ben carson's wife for the for the right. table she got yeah, well, that, well, how much was that? That was 11000 If you got a 70, then where do they get their tables? Well, I, mean, well, they, I mean, trust is really bad. Yeah, they got to go to like the yeah. storehouse or whatever. <laughs> Come on. John, let's talk to you. Mike. We've, we've been talking a lot about the overreach of the surveillance state. I yes. did a, a big piece on this last night. Since 9-11, I guess all these good intentions, we're going to keep the nation safe. Of course, we all want to keep the nation safe. All of us. But we have created a surveillance super state in this country. And I think there are a lot of good people in all these agencies, and they put their lives on the line for us. But people at the top also think they're beyond reproach, mm -hmm. and they're so confident that they're right. They want to do what they want to do with impunity. And that's the deep state. I'm glad that you keep calling it the deep state, because it exists. You don't have to call it the deep state. You can call it the federal bureaucracy. But it's there, it's unelected, and it's in power forever. People have to remember that, that those, those patriots at the CIA, the FBI, NSA, and elsewhere Many of them came of age and, and entered into the senior intelligence service during the Obama administration. And for many of them, that's where their loyalties lie. So yeah, there really is a deep state. The congressman made a very important point too, and that's about congressional oversight. The CIA just, as, as a part of its very nature, pushes back on congressional oversight. And they'll provide to Congress as little as they can get away with. That's where Congress has to fight for its rightful role in oversight. And you were put in jail for 30 months. You leaked the uh, information about the waterboarding, yes. correct? Uh, it's, it's a long story, and, it, and, yes. and you, most of the charges were dropped. One, mm -hmm. one remained. Um, but you've, you felt what happened when you decided to say, this, this it didn't seem right to you. And this is a warning. Like, I don't lose sleep about waterboarding. I know sure, a lot of sure. people a do. A lot of people don't. Like, and KSM, people I don't really care about that. disagree, but, sure. Yeah. But, but, but you feel that the way things have developed in this country with the explosion of the intel agencies, mm -hmm. that it's very hard for Congressman Russell and Devin Nunez, Trey Gowdy, and frankly for Democrats, if they were honest, to actually say, hey, what's going on here? Like, you got these sites, these rendition sites in Pakistan. What, what's happening here? And they don't want to say that right. is a natural tension. Uh, and it always has been there. But it's worse. The bigger the intel state is, the super state the harder it is, correct? And it, Correct, and remember that it got far worse during the Obama administration. John Brennan at the White House had what former colleagues of mine have described as a Nixonian obsession with leaks, where, where he was the driving force between the eight Espionage Act uh, cases that the Obama Justice Department brought against people in the intelligence community. That's nearly three times the number of Espionage Act cases as all previous presidents combined. And it wasn't really about those individuals. 
It was about sending a message to the rest of the intelligence community to keep your mouths shut. Don't you shut. dare. Don't you dare. Exactly. That's a little uh, mafia-esque. Uh, Congressman and, and Robert, I want you both to respond. What, you can see where this is going. The, the, the left is trying to find these side issues to grasp onto. Uh, I don't think informants in a campaign or trying to make contact with a campaign is a side issue. I do think it's a side issue when they say, oh, the president's lawyer and the chief of staff were at a meeting for a short period of time. They were freaking out about this today. Let's watch. I was stunned when I heard that Emmett Flood attended, even if he wasn't there uh, for the classified part of it, that he would even show his presence. Well, the presence of Emmett Flood, even if it was just to make introductory <laughs> remarks, clearly now creates a conflict. What we saw in that meeting today was improper, and it was unprecedented, and it does risk undermining parts of the Mueller probe. Uh, I, I don't know if these people know anything about the law. Emmett Flood was there to say, we're here. We we want to help. We want we want transparency. We're cooperating with and, and want want to take a positive role in this. And they stayed apparently just for a short period of time. They were gone, Congressman. Uh, it, it's the, it's the typical Pravda like playbook. Admit nothing. Deny everything. Make counter accusations. Put up some shiny object. Distract on the the facts. Did you say Pravda like playbook? Yes. Oh, I, did. I love it. Isn't that fun, <laughs> Robert? Um, Again, it's kind of commonplace. I mean, it, it, the, the president, again, is playing a mediating role in this. And I think all that happened was Flood was there at the beginning, said would the president really wants you guys to release as much as you can. Transparency. And then they walked out prior to the classified portion of the briefing, is my understanding. It's like, they're, they're making it, it like so Emmett, they're making it like Emmett like directed the meeting and he was like, okay, calling again, on you and you and you. That's like how it went down. In, in any government thing. It's I mean, lie. I mean, you have to pick a branch, right? And, and the people Come on. DOJ work for the president. And so it's not inappropriate for the president and White House counsel to say prior to the meeting, you work for us. Here's where the boss wants to go with this. He wants maximum transparency yeah. while still protecting hey, what you think you need. Robert, I've got to ask you this. What is the likelihood that only one informant, this hapless helper, uh, apparently, this whatever, this professor, is the only person who was tasked with some type of outreach to the Trump campaign. Doesn't that seem odd that it well, would be just one guy? I mean, maybe it was, but that's kind of that's just the, lame. If it's if they're really wanting to get answers, the just one guy. The Australian contact was the one that you know always was a question to me because I mean I've been in a lot of bars with a lot of people who've said a lot of stupid stuff, yeah. and the notion that I would run to the FBI or run to an intelligence agency based on a late night conversation with somebody in a bar. That I allegedly with Papadopoulos? Is that the Papadopoulos yeah, meeting? I mean, in London. I mean, it yeah. seems, seems kind of strange to me. I mean, maybe that's, that is totally innocent and he just has a, a hair trigger for when to run to an yeah. intelligence agency. But that, I don't think that's common behavior and that might be worthy of, of uh, taking a look at. Well, I just think they have to bring more people to testify on Capitol Hill. We're almost out of time, but I'd bring more people back. Susan Rice has got to come back. I'd bring all these people back. I'd bring Loretta Lynch. I'd bring that Oleg Deripaska, that Russian billionaire that they were making contact with, trying to get him to agree to this collusion narrative. He left him out of his apartment in New York. I'd get all these people back. They, they, we're not getting the answers we deserve. And bring the people back to testify. They don't want to testify. That tells us a lot. Samantha Power, bring her in. She never testified at all, I don't believe. Right, Congressman? I don't believe she was ever up there. Uh, Mr. President, the intelligence agencies today said that Russia is already meddling in this year's election to hurt Joe Biden and that China is considering meddling to hurt you. Do you believe that intelligence and what do you plan to do about it? It could be. I mean, I could be very much. I think that 
The last person Russia wants to see in office is Donald Trump, because nobody's been tougher on Russia than I have ever. Uh, well, I don't care what anybody says. Nobody, nobody with any common sense would say, do it. Look at what we've done with our military. Look at what we've done in exposing the pipeline with billions of dollars going to Russia. Look at all of the things we've done with NATO where I've raised $130 billion a year from countries that were delinquent, and now they're paying all of this money. And the 130, by the way, $130 billion, not million, billion, goes to $400 billion over a few years. And that's all uh, money to protect against Russia. Uh, China would love us to have an election where Donald Trump lost to sleepy Joe Biden. They would dream. They would own our country. If Joe Biden was president, China would own our country. And you said another country? What was the third country? No, just those two. No, no, you didn't You didn't say then the report. The report said Iran also, but you didn't say that. Didn't. Iran would love to see me. Iran would love to see me not be president. And I'll, I'll make this statement. Uh, if and when we win, we will make deals with Iran very quickly. We'll make deals with North Korea very quickly. And whatever happened to the war in North Korea, you haven't seen that, have you? If I didn't win the election in 2016, our country would now be, maybe it would be over by now, but in war with North Korea. Everybody said, oh, Trump will get us in war. No, just the opposite. And we actually have a relationship with North Korea, which is something that was never established by the previous administration. You would have been in war with North Korea, and it would have been a very bad war. So North Korea, whether you look at Iran, Every one of them will make a deal with us very quickly. Iran is dying to make a deal, but they want to see because they'd much rather make a deal with Biden. Because if they make a deal with the United States, if China makes a deal with the United States with Biden in charge, they would own our country. Look what I've done. I've taken billions, tens of billions of dollars from China. China was having the worst year they've had in 67 years, and we were having the best year we've ever had with big tax cuts, with big regulation cuts, We've rebuilt our military. We became uh, independent in terms of energy. We're the energy leader of the world. Uh, we were having the best year we've ever had. By the way, African-American, Asian-American, Hispanic-American, unemployment numbers, the best in the history of our country. All things, and many other groups too, including women, including high school diploma, no high school diploma, college diploma. Everybody was doing better. The last thing that Russia wants and China wants and Iran wants would be for Donald Trump to win. Yes, just, please, just to follow up, what do you plan to do about that interference, sir? Uh, well, we're going to look at it very closely. You're telling me that this came out a little while ago, and I've heard that it came out. It came out just a little while ago, and we're going to look at that very closely. But you started off with Russia. Russia. Why don't you start off with China? Do you think China's maybe a bigger threat? I mean, I think maybe it is. I mean, you'll have to figure it out. But we're going to watch all of them. We have to be very careful. The biggest risk that we have is mail-in ballots, because with the mail-in ballots, called universal mail-in ballots, it's much, it, it is a much easier thing for a foreign power, whether it's Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, many others, people, countries you wouldn't expect, it's much easier for them to forge ballots and send them in. It's much easier for them to cheat with universal mail-in ballots. So I think one of the things we'll have to look at is exactly that. But that's a big problem. That's a big problem. You saw in New York, they called the winner, but they have no idea what the vote is. Read his laptop, and you know who's a criminal? You're a criminal for not reporting it. You are a criminal for not reporting it. Let me tell you something. 
Joe Biden is a criminal and he's been a criminal for a long time. And you're a criminal and the media for not reporting it. I wish you would interview Joe Biden like you interview me. It would be so good. You know what? You the, like this, the, I thought. I thought you liked Spahn. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. But when I watch him walk out of a store, and he's walking with a ice cream, and the question the media asks him, what kind of ice cream, what flavor ice cream do you have? <laughs> and he's in the midst of a scandal. He's not. And he's taking... He's of course not. he is, no. Leslie. Come on. Of course he is. It's the biggest, second biggest scandal. So, the biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my campaign. Yeah, there's Leslie. no e real evidence of that. Of course there is. No. It's all over the place. I really question uh, his uh, ability to, uh, his fitness to be in this office, having some understanding of, of the, uh, the levers that a president can exercise. Um, I worry about, frankly, uh, uh, you know, the uh, access to nuclear codes. Uh, if he, in a fit of peak, uh, he decides to, uh, to do something about Kim Jong-un, uh, there's actually very little uh, to, to stop him. There's nothing our nations can't achieve if we do it together. I really mean it. So thank you all. God bless you all. Let's go, let's go lick the world. Let's get it done. It's, it's an important question, no, I think. Are you worried that other leaders in the world are going to start to doubt that America is back if some of these big things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back? What's getting walked back? It made it sound like, just in the last couple days, uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. But also the average citizen. And you're going to see when you're there. And you're so it sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon. Could, if chemical weapons were used in Ukraine, would that trigger a military response from NATO? It would trigger a response in kind. And it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia, and we know... Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. None of the three occurred. Germany is just paying a little bit over 1%, whereas the United States, in actual numbers, is paying 4.2% of a much larger GDP. So I think that's inappropriate also. You know, we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting everybody, and yet we're paying a lot of money to protect. Now, this has been going on for decades. This has been brought up by other presidents, but other presidents never did anything about it because I don't think they understood it or they just didn't want to get involved. But I have to bring it up because I think it's very unfair to our country. It's very unfair to our taxpayer. And I think that these countries have to step it up, not over a 10-year period. They have to step it up immediately. Germany is a rich country. They talk about they're going to increase it a tiny bit by 2030. Well, they could increase it immediately tomorrow and have no problem. I don't think it's fair to the United States. So we're going to have to do something because we're not going to put up with it. We can't put up with it. World War III has never been closer than it is right now. We need to clean house of all of the warmongers and America last globalists and the deep state, the Pentagon, the State Department, and the national security industrial complex. One of the reasons I was the only president in generations who didn't start a war is that I was the only president who rejected the catastrophic advice of many of Washington's generals, bureaucrats, and the so-called diplomats who only know how to get us into conflict, but they don't know how to get us out. None of this excuses in any way the outrageous and horrible invasion of Ukraine one year ago 
which would have never happened if I was your president, not even a little chance. Um, FBI Director Ray couldn't answer this at the time for reasons that are not his fault, but... Um, I hope you'll say the same thing if I can't answer it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the coast is clear now. Um, Michael Sussman, you know who I'm talking about? Uh, he, he was a defendant in a special counsel uh, uh, prosecution. Right, right. He was with the private law firm Perkins Coey, uh, which is the main counsel for the uh, National Democratic Party. He had a special badge to get him into the uh, Justice Department and or the FBI building. Why did he have that special badge? Uh, I'm afraid I also don't know anything about this. I assume uh, from um, the reference that this is something that Mr. Durham was investigating as part of his investigation. No, I don't think he investigated the badge. Uh, I know he was investigating Mr. Sussman. This goes back to, I think, 2020. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Can you find out for me? At the time, the, tri the, the, the trial was in progress, and Mr. Ray couldn't answer, but the trial's over. And I'd like to know why Mr. Sussman a private citizen had a special badge to get him into the FBI and the Department of Justice, and if there are other people out there who have special badges. Um, well, on, on the particular question about Sussman, I think we're going to have to wait until uh, Mr. Durham uh, finishes his report, which should be relatively soon. I certainly don't in any way want to interfere of course. with him, and he's the one who would know the answer to that. On the more general question, I can certainly ask my team to look into how lawyers have special badges. Would you? That'd be great. Thank you. Alex Klein is a thief. He bears false witness against Ye, and now he's defrauding the public, he's defrauding investors, and he's defrauding customers. It's time for him to go down and stop the steal. Everything is very confusing, but when you understand the fifth column, then it all makes sense. That's how clowns like this can be propped up. Listen to FDR. Today's threat to our national security is not a matter of military weapons alone. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse, the fifth column that betrays a nation unprepared for treachery, spies, saboteurs, and traits are the actors in this new strategy. These dividing forces are undiluted poison. They must not be allowed to spread in the new world as they have in the old. Our moral and our mental defenses must be raised up as never before against those who would cast a smokescreen across our vision. We were warned. The CIA relies heavily on the NSA's ability to gather vast quantities email, phone calls, and other data to track down terrorists. The CIA's drone program relies heavily on data the NSA provides. That includes phone calls, emails, and other forms of signals intelligence. But we didn't listen, and now we live in a dystopia. Like, why would you just use it on potential criminals or enemies of the state or what have you? Well, you could use it on the entire fucking population and make trillions of dollars in advertiser revenue. Well, what about we talk about something and then you get an ad for that something that you've never seen an ad for before? With email service providers and social media, we've long been told that if it's free, you're the product. But with the Internet of Things, it seems even if you pay, you're still the product. A real-life science fiction movie. It really goes back to the 
data. So we have a direct connection with our consumers that provides us with deterministic first-party data. So we utilize that for targeting. How did we get here? The personal computer, originally designed to raise the intellect of humanity, has been transformed into smart devices designed to raise the intellect of artificial intelligence instead. In order to correct the AI, Google felt that they needed to re-rank all of the data. This has massive implications for society. Companies are modifying their behavior to ingratiate themselves with those in power. They're changing their slogans and advertisements. They're censoring content. They're firing controversial people. Speak up, you might lose your job because you're bad for the company's ESG score. Now it's all about politics and hysteria. What we thought could make us more connected made us more divided. Instead of people using technology for their benefit, Technology now uses people for it. watching you. But we're also watching them. It's a two-way street. But sometimes you have to let things happen. Because people have to see it. To believe it. And so that it never gets repeated again. This is why I always say it had to be this way. You know, you know, I sit on a task force at the Department of Defense, and the thing is, they've got the goods. They've got the goods, and Trump knew that if he presented any of the goods early on, we'd have a civil war, that he really felt that the people needed to see how bad it could get. And that's the And that's fact, because we are doomed to repeat the things that we do not see would you have known that they would have locked you down with mandates would you have known that policies are more important than laws would you have known that you might have to choose between life and death or the possibility of death because you don't know what batch you got see it's unfortunate that I'm going to have to take the speed down because I'm kind of feeling this, but I want you guys to understand how remarkably, how remarkable it is actually for the phenomenon that underscores the power of knowledge in the pursuit of truth. Imagine a voice that emerged from the margins, an outsider who was dismissed and smeared, yet, yet, had the audacity to speak truths that were initially deemed unconventional. And that voice, much like my own existence here, proved to be an unexpected source of accurate information, and its significance cannot be overstated. One example is the Sussman. Please pay attention to the article I wrote about Peter Strzok in Iran. Read. America doesn't read anymore. And look what else is in there. A couple weeks later, 
Strunk, and Sussman fired. We often find ourselves entrusting those in positions of authority and power to make informed decisions that shape our lives and our societies. But what if these decision makers, whether in the judicial, military, or legislative spheres, are unaware of the truths that an outsider like me has revealed? I mean, not unaware, but without evidence. This scenario should be a signal for all of you as a gauge that helps you understand where the pendulum of justice, liberty, and balance is leaning in the intricate dance of power. In that short documentary, I ended it with Ali Akbar, who we all now know is a child groomer. He's very antithetic. And you have to remember all those that propped him up as a leader of a movement. Pay attention. And if you saw, there was a lot being discussed about Russian propaganda. Russia's our enemy. You know, it's almost like leaking a letter with one letter in different font that you can identify to find the leak. Or find those that sit by you. Or <laughs> at least weed out the idiots. History has shown us that at moments of change, progress and enlightenment have often been ignited by the courage of individuals who dared to speak out against the tide of conformity. These outliers, these nobodies, who stood their ground against the currents of doubt and opposition and reshaped our world. So when someone like me, an entity once dismissed as inconsequential, becomes the bearer of truths that are now known to be factual, it calls into question the very foundations of our systems. It is a reminder that our world is a mosaic of perspectives and truths that remain hidden from those not in power. And those in power know that. And that can lead to misinformed decisions, even by those in power, and missed opportunities for justice or injustice. So I ask you to reflect upon that paradox those who stand at the forefront of our institution, holding the reins of authority, may unwittingly be swayed by the absence of certain truths. As an outsider, I implore you to consider that the balance of justice, the trajectory of our society, and the very essence of our constitutional principles hang in the delicate equilibrium between knowing and not knowing. So while sharing this story that underscores the power of truth and resilience and unwavering strength of the human spirit, I'll make it generic. Whistleblowers, usually non-traditional heroes, right? Who have defied the odds to shed light on issues that need to be addressed. Even when the forces against them seem insurmountable. We find ourselves in a world where the truth often faces challenges from the very systems meant to protect it. I myself am a whistleblower. I consider myself courageous. And I found myself in a position and in a situation where my revelations threatened to disrupt a carefully constructed narrative on both the left and the right. But I refuse to back down, just like many other whistleblowers. When a whistleblower speaks up, they lay bare the vulnerabilities of the establishment. 
And yet those that wield power might attempt to discredit silence or erase them. Why? Because their mere existence is a testament to the accuracy and legitimacy of their claims. Now, if the powers that be silence or eliminate them, it's an acknowledgement that the whistleblower's message strikes a chord of truth. And this is where I'm in a very beneficial position. How do you still stay online? Well, I'm not. I'm actually one of the most banned people out there. I don't have Venmo. I'm not allowed to have PayPal. My banks are under investigation all the time. And there's a reason for that. And I'll explain it. They can't acknowledge that I exist or anything I say is true. Because then that puts them in a very sticky position of how people like me exist. But there's one thing about people that speak truth. To box them in. See, when you box in a whistleblower or a truth teller, that's where their real character shows. I myself, instead of crumbling under pressure, I stood tall, facing the adversity head on. They stripped me of my income, in unable to actually even get a job, let alone cancel my employment. My bank accounts, my family stability was, wet with, was met with an unwavering resolve to stand for justice. Because they understood that their very survival was a testament. And in essence, my survival was a testament to the validity of my cause. In the face of arrest or persecution, Truth-tellers hold strong, realizing that being silenced would mean their message had been heard, that their words had power. So whistleblowers persist, navigating the treacherous path of exposing uncomfortable truths while under constant threat. While many envy the positions of people who know, it is not something to be envious of. You've never turned up to your home to find a dead animal at your doorstep. You don't wake up every morning thinking, am I allowed to have a bank? Am I allowed to stay where I live? Will my doctor do something to harm me? Paranoid? No, it's factual life. But there's a twist, one that might stretch your understanding. Could it be that there are forces beyond the tangible, forces that strive to keep whistleblowers' messages alive, forces that ensure that their voice continues to resonate even when they're isolated or marginalized? Perhaps in a realm beyond the mundane, there exists a dynamic interplay between observation, existence, and acknowledgement, as if the very act of being observed breathes life into the unseen, making it real in the tapestry of our collective consciousness. Remember Juresco that I mentioned earlier today? It's a figure that emerged into your awareness when I spoke it. That's when you encountered her. Could it be that this or any non-traditional whistleblower's existence is affirmed through recognition, through our willingness to embrace their message, 
and though the sheer determination to ensure that their truths cannot be buried? Think about it. While you reflect on this paradox, you have to understand that those that stand at the forefront of our institution holding the reins of authority do get swayed. You have to observe the whistleblowers or the truth tellers or the leaders of this movement, how they operated. When their income shrunk, what changed? When their clout was no longer cloudy, what changed? Did their message change? Did they change? Did they create alliances with um, people that were not in their purview before? Did they stand for messages simply for a paycheck? Did they stymie voices that were posing a threat to their narrative? Remember, those that are good also require control because those that are trying to control you are never good. X and T, similar letters, different meanings. One is a crossroad and a start. X marks the spot. T is the termination of finding that balance to initiate. Do you know how many people are still amongst the mints of President Trump that are not his friend? You obviously do. Well, that's just stupid. He needs to hire better. Sometimes. You can't see that they're your enemy for a reason. Don't try to conceive how the collective goes, but I'll tell you this. Be careful what you wish for. See, what's coming is nothing compared to what has happened. They put you through the ringer as a society. They had you lock yourselves in your home not knowing what was true and what was not. They had you choose between your job or your health, and many people chose their job. That's what a slave would do. They don't want to be hung out to dry with no food in their tummy. Now, can you say, can you blame those? I cannot call upon the strength of one's soul and faith. But those that have faith walk with no fear. And those with fear walk with no faith. It's pretty simple. I pray that people make the right decision. Regardless, the plan is God's, not ours. Who's God? Well, if I could answer that, I'd be, I'd be in trouble. But anyway, I digress. People need to understand just how important standing true to your values, standing true to what you know, is key. Always remember that. You decide your future. You decide your tomorrow. Now,
I did tell you that Jack Smith signed his indictment against President Trump as Jack Smith. That's a backup. Oh, no. Maybe it's invalid, but no, no. See, there's always backfiring and manufactured, but watch how it works. Remember, almost a year ago, Georgia? And I know my Georgia, my fellow Georgia family's like, what are we going to do? Why did you stop, Tori? Because I was told I have to let it happen. That's it. Sometimes you just have to let shit happen and pray that people make the right decisions. Because if you think we don't have Raffensburg and Kemp tied like a bow, you're very mistaken. Oh, and remember, me, I'm nobody. I'm a nobody, but I knew all of this. So if I'm a nobody, that the alleged somebody say, that knew all this, you know, I should tell you everything you need to know. That maybe things aren't what they seem. I mean, that's a fact. In a world where truth can often be shrouded by the shadows of deception, this, uh, this notion that I just, this statement that I just made should be a beacon of light. A non-traditional whistleblower who understood that my voice was more potent than any attempt to silence. And boy, did they try to extinguish that flame. Why would those in power seek to silence me? Think about it. Because they understood that acknowledging my claims would be akin to admitting to the very veracity of their words. And undeterred, I continued. They knew that the attempt to silence me only underscored the authenticity of the message. Hence why, you know. The nefarious actions meant to eliminate any truth bearer should only fuel their determination. Think about it. Think about all these people in your movement that are central. Stripped of income, bank account, stability, but still stand tall as a testament to the very truths they were unveiling. And then you have to think, why is it that they strip their income, strength their bank account, everything? Because here's the thing. Resilience, right? Humans are very resilient. So let's put it this way. What if one day you woke up and you have no job? And you apply for a job and you can't get a job. But you still have to pay for food, rent, insurance, healthcare, right? What do you do? What do you do? Well, you make deals, right? You corroborate with some other influencer or billionaire, millionaire organization, company that sells shit to sponsor you so that you can make a living. So you're cutting deals. Or you use your talents and skills and walk up to an ATM and just empty it out because you can. Or you do what I did. You pray. You pray. And that's exactly what I did. I prayed. I prayed. I made no deals. I still don't play nice. I don't corroborate. I don't have sponsors. I have employers. My employers are the people. 
But think about it. I want you to pay attention to that moving forward. Think about it. You continue doing what you did. And before they took away my income and exploded a bomb that was ticking in my personal life all at the same time. And I was doing my thing. Still didn't have sponsors. I sold my pillows, but they weren't for me. My radio station, Red State Talk Radio, the one that deleted my SQL, the one that fired me because I was too Kiwi, but then they brought in the Matrix during my slot. You know, the people that I showcased, you know, the people that I added into Times Square to get their little advertisement in there, you know, because I was the first person that put the Q symbol in Times Square. But people forget that, right? I didn't, for country, not self. And for country means for your community and for people. And it's important we remember that. As we begin to serve others, whoa, you'll see how quickly you'll start being served. And that's fact. You have to have faith in God. That's all I did. I prayed. I kid you not. I did nothing more but pray. Now, Next week, I just want to tell you guys, I will not be very available. I'll be traveling, obviously, to Mike Lindell's the Lindell event. You can use my code, TOR, T-O-R-E. I'll be there representing Ohio. But Ohio is really, right now, today, representing America going forward. So I'll be traveling. So just in case any of these salty trolls... I'm not giving you my dollar. You're just not doing enough shows. You should at least put someone to do a guest host. And I'm going to say this. Bitch, you think I have a team or something that does this? I do all of this myself. <laughs> so FYI, next week, my reporting will be spotty. But after that, we come in hard. Now, will the J6 premiere happen at the Lindell event? I don't think so but it's complete well few voiceovers here still but it's complete and when that comes out there is nowhere to hide because we are showcasing the hypocrisy of the very people that stole your time your time, the most important thing you have is your time. And you'd be like, damn, bitch, you just did four hours of streaming. Yeah, I invest time in things that matter. And so should you. And therefore, just watch and see how many people wasted your time. Pay attention to how their messages pivoted when money was exhausted. Pay attention when they didn't have any money and they were broke. Look at how a person acts when their back is up against the wall. That's where you see what a person's made of. So on that note, I'm going to disconnect from YouTube quickly because I want to play a tune and I don't want them to ban this. The YouTube stream will be removed.